The Telegraph. The Telegraph. Podcasts. Sports has the Super Bowl, Hollywood, the Oscars, and fashion, the Met Gala. The first Monday in May sees some of the most avant-garde and often bizarre fashion out there, and last night's ball was no exception. Cue Katy Perry nearly taking out another guest with her six-foot angel wings. You're listening to Fashion Unzipped. Thanks for joining us. I'm Charlie Gowans Edlinton, and with me in the studio today are Bethan Holt and Dominique Temple. In today's episode, we'll be discussing the trends, talking points and papal tiaras from last night's Met Gala. Each year, the dress code for the red carpet is set to match the new exhibition opening at their Fashion Institute. Previous themes have covered everything from punk to superheroes to Jackie O. This year's exhibition is more controversial than most. Heavenly Bodies, Fashion and the Catholic Imagination sees designs by Dolce & Gabbana and Versace shown alongside pieces lent by the Vatican. Emily Cronin has researched this year's theme and is with us on the phone. Emily, what was the thinking behind it? Well, I'm sure that some of the thinking was to get attention because, of course, the Costume Institute and its curator, Andrew Bolton, never shy away from controversy. And the fact that it that they decided to work so closely with the Catholic Church and, and the Vatican on this exhibition, I almost found more surprising than the fact that they were going to... Um, and that they were going to approach the, the idea of fashion and Catholicism at all. Um, but it made sense the more research I did. So I did a story for this Saturday's Telegraph magazine interviewing five designers who would contributed to the exhibition or the catalog. And what really struck me in my interviewing was how deeply rooted these motifs are for so many designers. I mean, it makes sense, like, especially for the Italians, because if you think about it, before Dolce & Gabbana or Donatella Versace, before any of them ever had an inkling that they could make a dress. They were absorbing images of crosses and rosaries and priests. So it was bound to come out somehow. And this exhibition shows how. Religious imagery is very opulent, isn't it? Especially Catholic imagery. Oh my goodness. It's it's a treasure trove, literally. I mean, what they... I'm very curious to know what they left out of the show, because they probably were some of the first non-ordained individuals to to see some of the things that they saw in centuries. What were your favorite looks, Emily, from the red carpet? Oh my gosh. I mean, you've got to give Rihanna credit, right? Like she puts in the work. But I, I have to say I loved Solange. I thought Anna Wintour also looked fabulous. I mean, I did look at her and, and think if you're really on the cusp of retirement, this is a good way to go out. Well, we were thinking she was wearing this Chanel dress, wasn't she, which had um, a sort of crucifix on it. And if you look back to her first cover of Vogue, that had a a model on the cover wearing a Christian Lacroix corset with a crucifix on it. A Jewish-Israeli model wearing a a massive bejeweled crucifix of a jacket by Lacroix. Yeah, exactly. So could she start with a religious theme and end on it? I don't know. Well, that jacket actually is in the exhibition as well. So it, it is kind of a fitting 360 for her for her career. And uh, and I mean, really, like Anna Wintour has been compared to the queen of fashion. Why not the Pope of fashion as well? Although we were looking at the red carpet, wondering if people would be shocked or scandalized, you know, the work in the exhibition is not all transgressive. Some of it is very reverent. I mean, Dolce & Gabbana 
say that they take religion and religiosity very seriously. You know, they believe in God and the Virgin Mary, and, and it, it's it's very real and living to them. Um, so, in a way, this was probably like like a a great expression of some of the most important forces in in designers' lives. Although I think that the irreverent ones are a bit more fun. Rihanna's was definitely one of the kind of biggest talking points of the night, but do you think she took it too far? Bethan, what do you think? I don't think she took it far enough, to be honest. (laughs) I mean, I was honestly, I think I was always going to be disappointed unless someone was wheeled onto the red carpet, nailed to a crucifix with diamonds. Um, This was just never going (laughs) to quite live up to to my expectations, um, which just shows how mad the Met Gala is that I could possibly think that would happen. Um, I suppose all credit to fashion for making sure that didn't happen because that probably would have been extremely controversial. Who are your favourites on the night then? Um, I mean, I did love what Rihanna wore and I thought it was um, an incredible, talking about symmetry again, um, so she was wearing this Maison Margiela look and which John Galeano had created for her that referenced a look that he had designed for Dior, which in turn had also referenced papal attire. So, you know, it was so meta on so many levels. Um, who else did I love? I just love Frances McDormand. I mean, I thought she the year fantastic. is hers, no? Um, just absolutely incredible. Again, in Valentino, which she wore for the for the BAFTAs and for the Oscars. But yeah, she, she looked kind of... Um, uh, holy in a very modern way, if there's such a thing. I thought it was interesting because she's so kind of pared back, you know, she doesn't wear makeup generally to these award ceremonies, even when she's winning Best Actress. She's a real kind of palette cleanser when you are looking at most of the women on the red carpet. This was a lot more of a look than the kind of pared back Valentino she wore to win an Oscar. It was a performance, wasn't yeah. it? Huge headpiece. Don, what did you think? Um, I thought she looked amazing. I think she said what she wanted to say and let her dress do the talking um, by keeping her makeup minimal. Um, But from a beauty point of view, um, one of the standout looks was Indian actress Priyanka Chopra. Uh, We thought she just looked amazing um, because it was the perfect balance of kind of a red lip, but also with her chainmail headdress. We thought she looked amazing. I think it kind of saw um, her accessories come into their own because it's always, as beauty editors, we love to see, um, especially during fashion week, some hair accessories um, on the runway but definitely last night kind of saw all the extremes of kind of Rihanna's amazing um, encrusted you know piece and also then really wearable just kind of gilded crowns that actually I think you could even wear to a smart event or a wedding if you've got a wedding coming up this summer Um, because I thought they kind of there's something for everyone in them. Really reminded me I think a few weeks or months ago now we spoke about um, Eddie Lamar on this podcast and um, there's a very famous picture of her in this sort of halo-like um, headdress and a lot of people, I think Amber Heard had a particularly fabulous iteration of one and are we all going to somehow be wearing halos? I'm not sure what an appropriate occasion for a halo is. But considering, you know, how bonkers that might sound, they actually looked pretty wearable and, and Dom, you were saying the makeup followed suit. Yeah, I think this year, actually, the Met Gala is kind of one, from a beauty point of view, we're always kind of dreading it because it's like some sort of theme that you can't write about that's not very wearable or hard to interpret. But actually this year, um, I thought the makeup was beautiful and the hair and really relatable. You know, like Gigi Hadid's makeup artist, Patrick Tarr, you know, her whole look was kind of based around an 11.99 eyeshadow palette. So I think 
what you can take away from that is, um, you know, this, these makeup looks don't have to cost a lot. And then most of the makeup was kind of really beautiful and glowing and like pretty skin and lovely peach kind of spring colors. So kind I of it was angelic. Beautiful. Yeah, very angelic. Um, I mean, Kate Bosworth obviously had her like pale complexion with peachy kind of cheeks and lips, which were really beautiful. Um, but yeah, I think in terms of, you know, glitter as well, it was a really beautiful way to wear kind of a grown up glitter that actually it proves it's not just for young kind of early 20s that actually, you know, some of the women are in their over 40s and they're wearing glitter in a really wearable way. What about um, really dark lips? Because I have a bit of a problem with those. I think Alexa Chung was, had like a black lip. Lily Collins had a black lip. I mean, can you ever actually make that work? Yeah, I mean, I think those, those girls are always kind of up for kind of making a beauty statement and probably sometimes it's best to leave it to the more adventurous. But I think, you know, again, um, Amelia Clark wore really beautiful um, kind of rouge pigment that matched her Dolce & Gabbana look. So if you kind of interpret in a kind of more of a Dolce way, that's more like a berry lip or Blake Lively had a lovely um, kind of like pale kind of muted brick red. So I think there's interpretations of dark lip that you can wear that aren't as drastic as... Because I imagine they're not flattering on the teeth either, unless you've no. had a Hollywood whitening job. No, and also it can actually be really draining on your complexion as well. I think, you know, if you go for that dark lip, it kind of has to go with a kind of goth look, gothic look. I haven't seen anyone pull it off with kind of a lovely English rose complexion as well as a dark lip. Who did you love, Charlie? You know what? Bonkers and bizarre, but I do think that's kind of what the Met Gala is for. Cardi B. Oh, Cardi B. She was wearing Moschino by Jeremy Scott, and he loves the theme. Um, very bold, you know, it was kind of bonkers. It, well, it was definitely bonkers. She's also kind of pregnant, so she'd really dressed the bump. Um, people were going to talk about doing that. She had a thigh-high slit. She had this huge gold bustle and this beaded dress and then this enormous headpiece and her hair fanned out behind it. I mean, she looked like a painting, and I do think some of the outfits were just a bit boring, a bit safe. And I think, you know, with, with themes like this, it's kind of great fun. It's like going to a costume party in a little black dress um, if you're going to play it really safe and kind of just wear a beautiful dress. Cardi B's a one to watch, isn't she? I think we wrote about her recently and how she's... Um, I mean, those of us who aren't sort of very young <laughs> might not necessarily even be that aware of who Cardi B is, but... She's kind of killing it in fashion a bit at the moment, isn't she? It's the other end of the wearable spectrum. Dom has given us wearable takeaways. Cardi B gives us a lot of glamour, a lot yeah. of drama. Nothing I will probably be applying to my own wardrobe, yeah. but it's great to look at. But I think what was amazing is actually, you know, she must have obviously felt so empowered, like, wearing that dress. I mean, she's showing off everything she's got. And I think the red carpet has become such a platform for actresses to kind of show how they feel and you know we're all writing this morning and interpreting you know their approach to the theme and who they are as women so I think it's actually really amazing that she's literally left nothing to the imagination she's gone for it. Another star making headlines was Madonna who reunited with Jean-Paul Gaultier the designer behind her cone-shaped bustier tour costumes from the 90s. Madonna's black lace dress might have seemed a little safe especially after 2016's bare-bottomed look her surprise performance took things up a notch. Appearing in a brown monk's habit, Madonna quickly revealed a satin bustier underneath. And while in this context it might not have seemed that shocking, what's interesting is that when Madonna's Like a Prayer video, which saw her kissing an awakened saint, was released in 1989, it was condemned by the Vatican. 
This exhibition will put some of her past costumes side by side with pieces lent by the Sistine Chapel. It seems a lot has changed over the last three decades. Is it still possible for fashion to be shocking? I think that's maybe what we felt here, wasn't it? Because, you know, that video, when that came out, was just so shocking and so many people were so upset. You know, I think they the song was used in a Pepsi commercial and people boycotted Pepsi and they actually withdrew their sponsorship of Madonna. It was so sacrilegious and people were so angry. And of course, because religion is such a controversial topic, which is why I think we all thought that we'd be waking up this morning to headlines about, you know, isn't this shocking and disgusting and should religion be used in this way? Instead, we've kind of got the Vatican sanctioning this red carpet by kind of giving pieces to the exhibition. They're kind of saying this is all right. And I love that George Clooney was pictured with a cardinal. There was a cardinal there, you know. He was out for a good night. <laughs> it's hard to spot them. It could have just been someone dressed as a cardinal. Well, it might have been. Actually, um, I think it was Taylor Hill. I was clicking through our highly extensive gallery of every look. Um, and the American supermodel Taylor Hill actually was wearing like this sort of black DVF dress with red piping. She looked like a priest. It was it was very strange. But actually, that's interesting you talk about the Pepsi because it's funny what we find shocking now. And do you remember last year that was there was all that furore over Kendall Jenner's Pepsi ad? Oh, Pepsi. And, you know, that was a that was to do with kind of racial rights, you know, and it's a different thing. I mean, I guess, you know, the numbers of people who go to church who are devoutly religious has plummeted even in those 30 years. And so, you know, maybe it's a topic that's a little bit more open for interpretation now. Um, And I think maybe it would have been a lot more controversial if this had been about all religions, you know. So if we'd had Judaism examined or or Islam, it, it maybe would have been much more controversial. We were all surprised, and as journalists, probably slightly disappointed that there wasn't anything more dramatic. But that you know, the general interpretation is actually that it's really beautiful, and everyone's you know inter- interpreting it in a kind of gold, ornate, beautiful dual tones. You know, no one kind of took to the theme to make you know headlines or you know make a silly statement. Whereas everyone actually probably mutually felt that it's something to be celebrated and to you know enhance themselves with that look. And I suppose it's like, you know, if you go to the Vatican or the Sistine Chapel, your overwhelming feeling, even if whether you're religious or not, is, gosh, isn't this just incredibly beautiful? Mm-hmm. You know, all the, you know, the Michelangelo paintings and beautiful sculptures. It is a, a, a religion that really celebrates beauty and art. And I suppose it, it does make sense for, for that to be kind of looked at by fashion interesting that what Katy Perry took from it because she she met the Pope last week um she was in the Vatican she was wearing a you know very demure little black hat uh with a veil and obviously seeing that perhaps the reality of it she thought six foot wings yeah why not and a gold beaded mini dress and some go-go boots I loved Katy Perry's <laughs> outfit I have to say I mean she really <laughs> went for it with the um the angel vibes. Um, I, I mean, I only wish that she had just flown the red carpet. Oh, that would have been fantastic. I mean, Long why didn't why fly. didn't we make that happen? Or at least some kind of little motorized scooter. Yes, <laughs> a mobile. That would be great. A Nobody a did that. We should have been there. To Glaring oversight. <laughs> yeah. um, also, there was no um, no Beyonce. What happened to Beyonce? 
This is her second year running, actually. Uh, not attending. Right. Yeah, busy. Three children. Not good enough. Busy. Not good not enough good for Bay. No. It's a lot of pressure to fall on Rihanna's shoulders without yeah. Beyonce there. Yeah. Kim Kardashian was actually fairly demure as well. Yeah. Kind of Versace gold dress. Had a bit of a crucifix on the thigh, but apart from that. It was one of those, like, I was always going to wear this, whatever your theme was, and I've just whacked yeah. a cross on it. Yeah. And still look beautiful. Tick the box. And amazing and, yeah. Not very creative. She, I thought she made her figure look like her perfume bottle, which was maybe the intention. Oh, yes. Well, yeah, when, when you've got a perfume to be launching and promoting, it comes first. Also thought um, Amal Clooney, who was one of the co-chairs, you know, I guess she could have just gone for the Dolce & Gabbana jeweled gown, but she represented British design, which was good of her. Yeah, I was speaking to Richard Quinn, actually, um, and he was hinting that he was working with someone and saying you know well I don't want to don't want to jinx it you know she might not wear it but Amal Clooney is not it's not who I was imagining you know he's dressed Lady Gaga and to go from that to you know Amal's quite ladylike she she's got you know a professional serious job so <laughs> she does have to kind of walk that line between Hollywood glamour but still keeping that sense of professionalism. I thought it was great to see him represented on that kind of world stage. Yeah, go Richard. If you've been following the action from the Met Gala, we'd love to hear who your best dress was. Do you think Madonna took it too far? Get in touch at unzipped at telegraph.co.uk. If you've ever wondered what goes into making these red carpet gowns, you're in luck. Lisa Armstrong sat in on a fitting with Erdem and Kristen Scott Thomas last week as the designer put the finishing touches to the actress's dress. You can read the whole story in the paper and online tomorrow, but here's a little teaser. I think it's wonderful when you do a fitting with someone who, who is you know, acutely aware of how they feel in what you've made. And I think that's, um, that's really, um, it's, a, it's really wonderful because kind of beautiful things come out of that, I think, when, when there's that kind of dynamic and openness about kind of explaining what makes someone feel kind of beautiful or comfortable is, is part of, is part of my job and I, I love, I love that aspect. I love fitting clothes. I love, I love making something that will Kristen, is it take very someone important somewhere, for you to have sort of full yeah. movement of your arm? I mean, or not, is that a bit unrealistic in a dress like um, that? No, but you know, I mean, you're not going to, I'm not going to be standing hailing cabs, <laughs> you know, lugging furniture around. Hopefully know. not. You never know with him. Yeah, I did actually say when we know. get into the taxi, I'm not no. getting into a new I know, because the first time oh I went, God, you I, I, I... sit down that train. What would oh, you... I no. Want? It's all great. No, you we, can. We need to figure it out. Because you how to navigate those things. I mean, Debrett's is not dead, is it? No. <laughs> How to navigate but the a train. First, the first time I went to the Met, I kind of I had a major clerical error with the car, and I had to get a Did yellow you go cab. In an Uber? No, I went in a yellow cab <laughs> with my date, and we were doing kind of hair makeup in the taxi. <laughs> I had <laughs> no idea, and like I didn't understand that there was like there's kind of a protocol, and you know, you, there's certain things that need yes. to be organised, like hair and makeup, like a car. Um, but, um, but anyways, no, it'll be much more civilised. It wasn't just the controversial theme that made headlines last night. Scarlett Johansson wore a two-tone red and pink floral gown by Marquesa, the label founded by Harvey Weinstein's ex-wife, Georgina Chapman. Johansson was the first A-lister to wear the brand since allegations of sexual abuse were brought against Weinstein last October. Marquesa's catwalk show during New York Fashion Week in February was cancelled. Bethan, could this mark a comeback? 
I think a comeback is always going to be a long, slow road for Marquesa. You know, I just think there's so much history there. Um, famously, you know, quite a few actresses have, have come out since the Weinstein scandal kind of broke and have said that Marquesa was kind of tied into Weinstein's sort of modus operandi of controlling the women that he worked with. And, you know, he would often ensure that they were wearing Marquesa on the red carpet and, you know, he would kind of threaten them if they refused to to wear the label. I mean, there's no doubt that, you know, Georgina Chapman is kind of doing her own thing, but it was always very aimed at the red carpet, you know, these kind of frothy fairy tale gowns, you know, that really you could only wear at an awards ceremony or a premiere. And the problem is we don't know whether Marquesa would have been as popular without Weinstein because it wasn't a brand that was already kind of going, it hadn't already picked up fans. It shot to prominence when Weinstein would kind of ask or cajole actresses he was working with into wearing the brand. Yeah. And actually Jessica Chastain said she refused and then kind of he made fun of her in a speech on stage. So it's it's hard to extricate the brand from Weinstein. Yeah, and I think Georgina Chapman has actually come out and said previously that it was um, Renee Zellweger wearing Marquesa during um, her promotional tour for, for Bridget Jones that really launched the label. And I mean, that was a, a Weinstein-produced movie. So, you know, you can really join the dots on this. But I think that Chapman, she does have a lot of supporters in the fashion industry I mean Anna Winter was always kind of front row at her shows and um, Diane von Furstenberg has kind of come out defending her since this scandal broke but I just think it it's the it's the aesthetics of it to be seen wearing this label that is now so closely associated with this kind of awful story that's come out in Hollywood and with and I mean it's kind of still ongoing there's still allegations coming out and um, the Time's Up movement is kind of continuing apace. So I think it still feels very sensitive. I agree. I think um, perhaps another interpretation of it is that she's definitely sort of just giving a nod to kind of the sisterhood. And whilst, you know, there's a long battle ahead for Marquesa, um, that it has to kind of, you know, there are beautiful dresses and, you know, actually empowering dresses. And the designer behind that, you know, is not Harvey Weinstein. I mean, Georgina hasn't been accused of anything herself obviously I mean you know she she has said publicly how devastated she is by this and very quickly the divorce proceedings went through I mean we don't know how much she knew or didn't know um, about it but I think you know fashion talks so much about feminism and empowering Mm -hmm. women it would be wrong to kind of reject one woman just just because of a a mistake that she made perhaps or Partly the waters are muddied further by Mm. the fact that it's Scarlett Johansson, Mm. um, who's worked with Weinstein going years back, um, hasn't publicly denounced him, hasn't, you know, she has spoken about abuse within the industry, but she's never named him. um, And also kind of has fallen under fire for when allegations came out against Woody Allen, who she's also worked with multiple times, um, kind of said you can't decide one way or another and that it's hearsay to... To base, you know, mm. to base a decision on that is is um, impossible. And on the other side of the coin, you know, she's very outspoken about the Times Up movement. She gave a speech during the Women's March in LA in January. So it's it's hard to kind of know where 
her loyalties lie. And it's hard to know why she wore the dress, you know? Maybe she is just friends with Georgina Chapman or does just think they're beautiful designs and does think it's unfair that this woman is kind of having to pay the price for her ex-husband's alleged crimes. Um, or trying to support, like, the greatest revenge would be that Marquez is, you know, on all red carpets and super popular and loved by women that actually really just want to look beautiful and empowered in a dress. Well, that's the thing. The dresses haven't stopped selling because we talk about it as if, you know, no one's worn them on the red carpet, but that doesn't mean women aren't wearing them in real life. And also, just because you wouldn't wear it necessarily as a celebrity and, and make that statement that you're supporting Marquesa, that's not to say if you're buying a wedding dress or an occasion dress. I mean, they're very expensive gowns, but they are beautiful and beautifully made. I think also even talking about it kind of, fashion disasters but or, or comebacks is obviously you know John Galliano last night was you know super present on the red carpet and I think you know over time it proves that you know fashion houses can make a comeback they sometimes just have to sit quiet for a while but you know the loyalty is still there. We'll tell a lot from what Marquesa's actual next step ends up being you know I think if they host a show or an event and what they do you know I think them kind of making a mark and showing that a start of a kind of a new chapter will be fascinating. Don't think she'll be making the royal wedding dress, though. Probably not. <laughs> that would be a comeback. If you'd like to know more about what went on at the Met Gala, both on the red carpet and behind the scenes, then pick up the paper or visit telegraph.co.uk forward slash fashion. And please tell us what you loved or didn't and send feedback and questions to unzipped at telegraph.co.uk. We've nearly reached the end of the episode. Next week, we'll be discussing the launch of Cannes Film Festival and the very different red carpet there, and also sharing our predictions for the wedding of the year. We've been placing internal bets, not real bets, just, you know, you owe me three cups of tea bets, um, on what Megan will be wearing on the day, but also what her stylish guests will be wearing. But before we go, we've got time to find out what everyone's excited about this week. Dom? Um, so at the beauty desk, we, with the nice weather, have been receiving lots of beauty tanning waters. And although I'm a beauty editor, I'm not great at DIY tans. So I'm going to do some practice this weekend and take a few home to try. What is a tanning water? Tanning water is not a mousse or it's not a lotion, but it's basically a water. So the idea is that you could rub it over your skin more easily, like you would be having a shower um, with a mitt. So that's what I'm going to be trying. I hope I'm not streaky. I've been hearing very good things about drops as well that you can add into your kind of moisturizer yeah so um tanning beauty drops are the whole craze at the moment so it's the idea that you can customize your tan so you don't have to be a light a medium or dark but that you can pop them into your serum or a moisturizer and um they're actually great i've been trying some um by the new brand isle of paradise and they're really lovely because they just give a subtle glow and you can build it up so i kind of tend to start with one or two drops and then as I've got a little bit of a tan, then you can amp it up a bit. But it's the whole idea that you can customise your tan and we're all not just a light, medium or a dark tanning girls. I'm very interested to hear your findings. My uh, Scottish skin would like to know <laughs> because sadly um, tanning on my balcony this weekend just meant I burnt a tiny triangle of my body. I don't know, um, Charlie, I think you've got a sort of a vague, nice Bethan. bit of bronze going on there. <laughs> so just the dark lighting of this little padded booth. No, no, no. <laughs> what are you excited about this week, Bethan? Um, so tonight, gosh, I'm having like the longest day ever, um, but tonight I'm going to see this new McQueen film, which everyone's talking ah. about. Um 
So I'm really excited about that. Um, and hopefully we'll be doing lots of wonderful features on it in Telegraph. You know, there have been so many kind of interpretations of Alexander McQueen's life and work. And, you know, some have some have been well received and some not so well received. But apparently this one is kind of the most sensitive and most insightful yet. So all will be revealed. We'll see. How about you, Charlie? Well, now this was <laughs> this will sound very sad compared to kind of your uh, social calendar. But uh, I've gotten into this show on the BBC called The Big Painting Challenge. So wasn't it the final the other night? It was the final on Friday. Oh. So I've I came to it late and I upset <laughs> it the whole thing. Um, basically, if you're into the kind of soothing tones of the Bake Off or perhaps that odd but great pottery version. I don't oh my gosh, I love that. the pottery show and the great pottery it, throwdown. Yes, exactly. I mean, it's all those all those things that we don't necessarily have time to do ourselves in our kind of time poor London bubble. Of you know, I'd love to do pottery, mm. and I'd love to do a bit of watercolors. Haven't done any painting since I was at art school, but do I find the time? No, but I'm going to watch these people instead, traveling around, doing some watercolors. It's really soothing. It's really lovely. Would recommend. Of course, you could spend the hour that you spent watching the program doing <laughs> some painting. I love it. Well, that's all we've got time for. Thanks for listening. Check back next week for another episode of Fashion Unzipped.